Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. We are learning troubling new details about a family found dead at the scene of a house fire in Nanaimo. The bodies were discovered as soon as firefighters were able to enter the home. Our Nitu Garcha is there tonight. And Nitu, there are signs the family was having trouble. And now RCMP are calling the death suspicious. That's right. Chris and Sophie, I am standing in front of the burnt-out home where the couple and their young daughter were found dead inside yesterday afternoon. Now, just minutes ago, the police tape came down and the scene was released. A restoration company is here boarding up the windows and the rest of the home. The investigation, though, still far from over. An intensive search for answers inside a burnt-out Nanaimo home where three people from the same family were found dead. Seven-year-old Piper Stephenson and her parents, Jason Stephenson and Amber Lee Scar. Carrie Scar describing her cousin as a beautiful person who loved her daughter more than anything. The whole thing's tragic. Neighbors reported seeing smoke billowing from the house around noon Tuesday, rushing over, a hydro person checking meters, a landscaper working next door, and a neighbor screaming, breaking windows, and trying to kick down the door. Failed attempts to rescue those inside. At that point, there was just so much smoke that anybody entering, other than a fire crew with oxygen, would have you know, perished as well, most likely. At this point, we're still investigating. Uh, all our options are, are on the table, and we're just investigating as we would any serious event like this. The youngest victim in grade two, the Nanaimo Ladysmith School District, working to notify families and students. It's grade two, very, very young age, so a lot of them won't understand what's going on. But again, those conversations um, have to be had in the, in the classroom just, just to make sure that all the students are okay. It's still not clear why the child was home on a weekday afternoon as it wasn't a pro-D day at her school. And while the cause is still unknown, this family tragedy might link back much further than Tuesday afternoon's fire. Court documents show the couple, both in their mid-40s, were not paying their mortgage. And there was a court order for a nesting arrangement after school. Scar alleged Stephenson moved to Alberta with their daughter without her consent. Apparently, he and the seven-year-old girl had recently moved back to BC. I just know that there were a lot of times there was a lot of arguing, uh, anywhere from two in the morning till six. I heard through some other people that they were been having a lot of problems. Whatever the cause, for now we wait for investigators while the community mourns a tragic loss. All right, need to obviously a lot more questions than answers right now. Do you know when the next update on the investigation is coming? Yeah, Chris, of course, the investigations involving fires are complex and can take quite a long time. As for the cause of the death, well, the Nanaimo RCMP Serious Crime Unit is working with the B.C. Coroner Service to try and determine the cause. But they say it could be several days or several weeks before they have any answers. And as you can see behind me, Chris, this is the first close-up look we've gotten to some of the damage of the house here where all three victims were found inside. It's being boarded up by a restoration company as fire investigators continue to 
to determine the origin of the fire as well as what caused it to spark in the first place. Chris, back to you. All right, we'll hope they get their answers soon. Thanks very much. Neetu in Nanaimo. A body found in Richmond early yesterday morning has now been identified as a 30-year-old gang associate from Surrey. Aaron MacArthur joins us with more on this. And Aaron, this is a man that police had warned over the summer that he might be a target. Yeah, that's right, Sophie. The victim is 30-year-old Ibrahim Amajad Ibrahim. And as you mentioned, well-known to police. Surrey RCP took the extraordinary step this summer of warning the public about him and four other people, saying they were the target of such extreme violence they didn't want innocent bystanders caught up in the gunfire. Ibrahim was found. Uh, somebody got to him. He was uh, found dead in a Richmond Park Tuesday morning. Police don't want to go so far as to say that drugs and gangs led to this man's death, but that's obviously where the investigation is going. And now I hits looking for suspects. I'm speaking really to uh, those like Mr. Ibrahim that are involved in that lifestyle. Uh, to leave that lifestyle, I've said it before on this podium many times, if you're involved in the gang lifestyle or are associated to or involved in criminal activity, you are putting yourself at risk, at terrible risk, you and your loved ones, your family, your friends, every time you step out that door. It's too late for Mr. Ibrahim. It doesn't have to be too late for anyone else. Now, police say Ibrahim was last heard from 2.30 Thanksgiving Monday, and then he was found dead uh, 4.30 Tuesday morning. So they're asking anyone who was in Garden City Park with any information to come forward to police. We asked IHIT about the other four people on that list, on that warning from July. According to them, all four are still alive. It will be interesting to see if Ibrahim's death causes any more violence in the city. Sophie, Chris? Aaron MacArthur in Surrey. Aaron, thank you. And Surrey RCMP are also looking for information after an 11-year-old was groped. It happened in Cloverdale just before 6 p.m. RCMP say the young girl was walking in the 18800 block of 65th Avenue when a stranger grabbed her behind. When the victim reacted, the man apologized and took off. That person is described as a Caucasian male in his 30s, approximately 6 feet tall, wearing blue jeans, a light-colored shirt, and a light-colored baseball hat. RCMP reminding residents to use main routes, avoid secluded areas, and walk with friends. Now to that cold blast of winter-like weather in parts of the lower mainland this morning. Most of South Surrey was hammered by a hailstorm, leaving roads covered in a blanket of white. Grace Key has more on how the early morning surprise caught many off guard. to guess we'd be dealing with spinning tires at a gas station in October. Clearly not this driver. This is insane. I can't believe this. <laughs> it was just summer. How are your tires? They're good. I, uh, I work at a tire shop, so they're all good, but clearly not ready. Many of our global BC viewers in South Surrey and White Rock sent in video of the hail as it started pounding down at about 7 in the morning. The storm also brought in thunder and lightning. It lasted for about an hour and was followed by heavy rain. It was long enough to turn side streets into flowing streams. And this was the large pool of running water by the Peace Arch Hospital. 
Residents dusted off their winter snow shovels and actually started clearing the sidewalks. Quite shocking that usually hail only lasts for a couple of minutes at a time and then it lasted a long, lot longer and uh, looks like it's snow out there. We're hoping for a little more summer, but I guess it's done now. <laughs> By the time it was all over, the damage was done and it made for a slick morning commute into work. Several accidents were reported as drivers were caught off guard dealing with the slippery conditions, but it melted away just as quickly as it arrived, making the drive home a much drier one. Grace Key, Global News. All right, meteorologist Christy Gordon joins us now with more on where that hail came from and is there more on the way, Christy? Well, so here's the map that shows the lightning strikes this morning, and you'll see that they're in very localized areas, South Surrey, White Rock, and Langley. So not only were these thunderstorms intense, but they didn't travel very far. So hail just kept falling in the same area. But why hail? Well, we had a slim possibility of thunderstorms in this region. Just the right ingredients, though, developed in that area to really intensify it. And that same line of thunderstorms spawned a number of water spouts off in Semiyamu Bay, shocking residents in the area. When I come back, we'll talk about the instability that we still have in place and whether we have the possibility of these storms again. So, All right. Thanks, Christy. B.C. Ferries' new car deck rules took effect today. No longer will travelers be allowed to remain in their vehicles when they're parked on the lower car deck. Ted Chernecki is in Horseshoe Bay. And, Ted, that's a tough change for some. What are the options? Travelers do have some options still, but you know this has been 10 years in the making. Canada was one of the last countries to adopt this policy in 2007, and B.C. Ferries one of the last corporations in the world to implement it. Who hasn't thought about grabbing a little shut-eye in the comfort of your own vehicle while riding BC ferries? On my way to Victoria, it was I was on set really late and it was really nice to be able to just sleep. If there's an emergency in a closed car deck, uh, the hazard could, uh, could, could provide a, a significant safety uh, problem for a customer. So let's get them out of the closed car deck and up into a passenger lounge or somewhere that's, that's safer. It really is common sense. Who would want to be asleep in the lower deck when a ship comes crashing into your vessel, as happened in August 1970 in Active Pass? A Soviet freighter sliced through the Queen of Victoria, killing three people, including a 31-year-old woman and her seven-month-old son. I totally agree. It's probably a safety factor that people shouldn't be down in a closed area. We always leave the car. We never stay at the car. And I would much rather be upstairs where it's nice. Anticipating some pushback from the public, the BC Ferries Workers Union took out an ad to say staff will be just doing its job. Our ferry workers are responsible for your safety. Thank you in advance for treating our ferry workers with respect. This isn't just some BC Ferries policy, it's a Transport Canada regulation and it's the law. There are definitely those who have no desire to set foot into the upstairs masses, maybe because of medical conditions, but more likely because they don't want to leave their pets alone. I think he would oppose, um, not oppose to us staying in the car with him. We're fine, as long as we don't have to be on the bottom deck. She's a Jack Russell, so she's a little bit, gets a little bit anxious. If someone says no today. We're not going to move people out of vehicles. We're not going to, there's no fines and penalties in process. We're not going to hold up sailings. So yes, you can still use the upper deck, but if it's a full sailing and you're forced to go down to the lower deck, you'll have to go to the top or wait for another sailing. Chris, Sophie? All right, thanks, Ted. 
Well, if you were up early this morning, morning, you might have felt an earthquake off the coast of Vancouver Island. The 4.5 magnitude quake struck at about 1.30 this morning, centered about 170 kilometers southwest of Tofino. Thankfully, no tsunami warnings were issued. Well, that timing, though, couldn't have been better for an announcement today from the Premier about seismic upgrades to schools. The province says it will be speeding up the process of making schools safer, replacing some altogether. But Nadia Stewart explains why today's announcement only raised more questions for some parents. A basketball game with Premier John Horgan serves as a photo op for a long overdue announcement. On parents in Maple Ridge have been waiting years to hear. This school, Fairview and Westview, will be the last two schools in the Maple Ridge District to get the seismic upgrading they deserve. Since 2012, both schools have been on a high-priority list, in need of fixing that was promised by the former Liberal government, but is only now just being delivered by the NDP. We are doing everything we can as a government to accelerate the pace of investment and the scale of investment in making our schools seismically safe. And, uh, and please uh, hold us accountable, as we have held others accountable, uh, to do this. Government also announcing Sir Matthew Begbie and Bayview Elementary in Vancouver will be replaced. New and safer schools to be completed by 2021 at a total cost of $47 million, money already allocated in the last budget. The announcement comes as Vancouverites prepare to vote in a by-election, selecting a new slate of trustees after all of them were fired by the former Liberal government earlier this year for not balancing their budget. Back in Maple Ridge, parents are welcoming news of the upgrades, but say they still have unanswered questions. At this time, we haven't been given any information about the timeline. We don't want to see a situation where our students are in portables or move to other schools or what have you. So we are going to be right on top of everybody to make sure that that doesn't happen. Meanwhile, parents with kids at more than 175 schools across B.C. await news of seismic upgrades to their school. No timeline has been laid out yet for them. Nadia Stork, Global News. Build it and they will come might be the philosophy that led to a major groundbreaking in Vancouver today. A new office building that will change the downtown skyline. A flashy video promotes the Vancouver Center 2 office tower going up at Seymour and Georgia. It's the next phase of the Vancouver Center complex, which includes Scotia Tower and the Vancouver Center Mall. Along with its sleek design, what's notable is that the 33-story, 371,000-square-foot tower is being built on spec with no lease agreements in place. The owners are counting on the increased demand for downtown office space from the tech industry. The building is slated to open in the summer of 2021. Tracking the gene that triggers food allergies, researchers at St. Paul's Hospital make a breakthrough in cellular research, pinpointing a genetic trait that could allow a much earlier diagnosis. For children like Caleb, it could be a game changer that prevents peanut and other food allergies from ever taking hold in the first place. How it helps in just over a minute. Someone's firing a rifle on the 32nd floor down the hallway. Newly released audio recordings of the first shots from the Las Vegas gunman, the hotel employee who called them in, and whether the information ever got to police. Coming up later. And on International Day of the Girl, a major announcement from the Boy Scouts of America, how it's changing its rules to be a lot more inclusive later. 
But first, researchers at Vancouver's St. Paul's Hospital say they've made a discovery that could change the way we deal with potentially deadly allergies. As Linda Aylesworth reports, their discovery could help parents prevent life-threatening reactions to peanuts and other food. Cooper's not feeling well, so what do you do? At the age of three and a half, Caleb is learning how to use an EpiPen. Oh, good. you got to take this off. Life-saving because Caleb has a severe nut allergy, something his parents discovered when he was just one and a half years old after a tiny bit of cashew made him violently ill. There were welts coming up his body, um, welts in his groin, and it seemed to be moving towards the chest area. By the time they reached the emergency room, Caleb could barely breathe. Two more times, in spite of his parents' best efforts, he's endured similar reactions. Every time that it's happened, I am terrified. I'm terrified of losing him. So this is the freezer room. Researchers around the world, including here at St. Paul's Hospital in Vancouver, have spent years searching the human genome for genetic clues to the cause. And those are DNA, so those are precious. At last, the effort, led by the Canadian Peanut Allergy Registry, has paid off with a significant discovery. So what we've discovered um, I think is really groundbreaking, but uh, we've identified genes that predispose to the development of peanut allergy and to food allergy in general. The gene is called MC, and while they don't know exactly how it works, not yet anyway, they hope it will one day lead to the early identification of those who have it before full-blown allergies develop that could benefit the most from early introduction in the development of tolerance, i.e. you train the immune system so that it doesn't react to the peanut antigen. (laughs) It's called oral immunotherapy, and Caleb's parents are already using it on his little sister, Chloe. Caleb, having this condition means that we are giving Chloe early, early exposures. We have her licking peanut butter off of spoons. The results are promising. Better yet would be fully understanding the genetic cause, something researchers will continue to explore. Linda Aylesworth, Global News. Discarded used needles have become a serious problem and danger in many parts of the Lower Mainland. In the city of Langley, a pilot project based on a similar study in Montreal is now being tested. The city is installing drop boxes for used needles in the hopes addicts will choose to safely discard their rig if a box is nearby. So I think with anything, you're not going to find a 100% perfect solution, but like the Montreal study, a 98% reduction is pretty significant, and that means one less child, or if one less senior, or if one less resident in general doesn't have to see a discarded needle, or risk stepping on it or getting poked, I think that's a huge win for our community. Tomorrow we'll get the latest update on the number of lives lost in the deadly fentanyl epidemic in this province, but not reflected in the numbers are those who are lucky enough to cheat death. Ramina Dea has one man's powerful survival story and his message to others. In, in, elbow, elbow, up, up. Every move, every breath, he fights for. Rami Ladke should have been dead. Why did you live? Well, I think it just wasn't my time. The 34-year-old entrepreneur ran a successful transportation business. He was fit, a karate and kickboxing champion. But there was trauma in his life. Ladke turned to drugs to cope. He didn't know the heroin he smoked in January last year was laced with deadly fentanyl. People right away think you did this yourself. And it's not a choosing. I did not choose for this to happen. 
It just happened as a result of my lifestyle at the time. That lifestyle left Ladke with brain damage. He suffered two comas and spent two months in hospital fighting for his life. Could you please pass me a spoon? His mother, Dr. Elena Ladke, remembers being judged. I was very insecure about that. You are doctor, you are pediatrician, and you screwed up, right? This is how I felt, and I felt almost shame. But I don't feel that way anymore. The body count continues to climb in this province. 876 suspected drug overdose deaths in just the first seven months of this year. That's four people dying a day. That was incredible. Ladke, hyper aware he was on the brink of becoming a statistic. Do you have my name? Fentanyl is in everything. The risk, not worth your life. It's not a downtown Eastside problem. It's a people problem. If you have a kid that's struggling, try to talk to them about it, about the dangers. It's tragic. It's, it's an epidemic. I'm very happy to be alive. Romina Dea, Global News. Good message. Well, a harrowing drive through fire. The monumental challenge facing residents and firefighters as California neighborhoods burn. Coming up. But first, Canada's brilliant young rodeo talent gone too soon. A heartbreaking diagnosis that might have contributed to his death. Next. The death earlier this year of an up-and-coming superstar shook the rodeo circuit to its core. And now it's been revealed 25-year-old bull rider Ty Pozibon, who took his own life, suffered from the same brain disorder that's afflicted so many football players. Jeff Hastings reports. BC's Nicola Valley is known for its beauty and its bull riders. Ty Pazabon was one of the best, a rising rodeo star who took his own life earlier this year. For Ty Pazabon, 86. His family suspects his changes in mood and behavior and ultimately his death were due to repeated head injuries and concussions suffered during his rodeo career. They may be right. For the first time in a bull rider, we found the definitive diagnosis of chronic traumatic encephalopathy. His brain will be invaluable in, in better understanding the disease. CTE, a condition increasingly associated with traumatic head injury and sports. Football players in particular are being diagnosed in larger numbers after their deaths. The link between CTE and behavioral change isn't confirmed, but it is strongly suspected. A young person like Ty, who has an otherwise very healthy brain, um, but the, but has this traumatic brain injury and, and chronic traumatic encephalopathy, it makes a, makes a strong argument that that is related in some way to his personality changes. Matt Recchi's pro bull rider days are long gone, but his own history of injury and his current work with the Kamloops Blazers Hockey Club have him watching CTE research closely. I was injured. I was, I was knocked out numerous times in the arena, you know, riding bulls, getting horns in the head, landing on your head. Um... You know, and we never thought much of it back in our day. There wasn't a lot of research into it. There wasn't a lot of thought put into it. You just, you got up and you shook it off and you got on again the next day. Ty Pazabon's family isn't speaking publicly about the diagnosis, but they did release a statement that says, we need to learn more about the long-term effects of head injuries. And they go on to say that people should not stop doing what they're passionate about, but to do it in a smarter way, to listen to both what medical professionals tell you and what your body and mind are telling you. Jeff Hastings, Global News, Vancouver. Shocking devastation in California. 
it's all gone. The emotional reaction as residents get their first look at the damage from wildfires. And the Las Vegas hotel worker who gave early warning about the shooter. Should the police have known sooner? Northern California resident Tabitha Washington recording the moment her family returns to their neighborhood to discover they've lost everything to one of the wildfires. So far, the flames have destroyed more than 2,000 homes and businesses. The death toll is now at 21 with hundreds of people still missing. And with the winds picking up and no rain in the forecast, the Sonoma County Sheriff is now advising people who are prepared to leave to just go anyway. This is what it looks like as a Sonoma County deputy races to safety, narrowly surviving flames that are turning parts of wine country into a wasteland. It's all gone. June and Jamie Clark lost their home of 38 years, narrowly escaping themselves. I don't know why I woke up, but if I hadn't, within 10 minutes, we would have been gone. Propelled by hot, dry Diablo winds, or devil winds, several fast-moving, untamed fires are scorching Northern California, with some firefighters battling more than flames. We have at least a dozen guys in our department that have lost their homes. More resources are on the way, with thousands more now evacuating. The fast-moving fires have already claimed 21 lives, and authorities are dealing with hundreds of missing persons reports complicated by destroyed cell towers. 3,500 homes and businesses have burned to the ground. Drone footage captures the scale of the devastation in Santa Rosa, row after row of addresses without houses. Yet a postal worker is still seen delivering mail. With the region stifled by a blanket of smoke, officials are seeing the worst air quality ever recorded in parts of the Bay Area. There she is. As for the Clarks, despite losing everything, they're grateful they survived. God's with us. Because it could have been way different. One thing they know for sure, they plan to rebuild. Joe Fryer, NBC News, Santa Rosa, California. A terrifying new account of the night a gunman opened fire on a Las Vegas music festival from his hotel room. His first shots were actually fired down a hallway at two hotel employees several minutes before the deadly shooting began. The question is, did police get that information fast enough? Six minutes before Stephen Paddock began to rain down bullets on a country music concert, a hotel security guard responding to an alarm on the 32nd floor was wounded when Paddock fired 200 rounds through his room door. And a hotel engineer had just arrived when he heard gunfire. I was about a third of the way down the hallway and I started to hear shots go off. You can hear it at the start of his radio call. The rounds started coming down the hallway. I could feel them pass right behind my head. Uh, something hit me in the back, and I took cover. He looked like he fired down the hallway when I got close to the door. I told myself, you know, remain calm. If I freak out right now, it's it's only going to get me killed or, or injured. Las Vegas police are looking at when that word was received from the hotel and whether it could have been relayed faster to the SWAT team making its way to the 32nd floor. Mandalay Bay's owner says it believes the latest police timeline may not be accurate. And as investigators continue to search the hotel room and Stephen Paddock's houses, 
Local and federal officials say an autopsy has found no abnormalities in his brain and still no word on motive. Pete Williams, NBC News, Washington. In health matters tonight, today is the UN's International Day of the Girl, raising awareness of the inequalities and injustices facing girls around the world. To mark the day, a group called The Global Goals has released a pop music video with a twist. The video features young girls from around the world lip-syncing, dancing and strutting to Beyonce's freedom. But it's not all celebration. The video also includes shocking facts about the obstacles and atrocities girls face every day. In Washington, D.C. this morning, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau told a roundtable discussion that empowering women and girls gives the world opportunities to succeed. Well, the Boy Scouts of America must have been listening and today made a major shift. Our parents have asked for options to serve their whole family. The group pledges an historic change in who's allowed to join. But not everyone is happy about it, including the Girl Scouts. And an Australian woman does the most Australian thing when she finds a shark in the pool. You're watching Global News Hour at 6. An Australian woman is becoming a viral hero for her one-woman marine rescue operation. That story coming up right after the forecast with Christy. Well, that water looks so nice in the sunshine. Mm -hmm. Not quite what we saw this morning as, uh, as we saw earlier, Christy. No, it was very wet this morning, that's for sure, but it did turn out quite nicely. This is a scene out there right now, and you can see uh, sun setting, some cloud off in the distance, but beautiful in comparison. But that's not the scene on the connector. Right now, snow is falling, and you can see the crews haven't been able to get out there and uh, uh, clear it away, so it is accumulating on the roads, and we're expecting the snow to continue through the evening hours in these areas. You can see the snow falling right over the connector, right in through there. There's also the possibility of snow on the Coquihalla and Allison Pass this evening. Anywhere between two to four centimeters certainly is possible. We are expecting this to ease off overnight, but we're not totally in the clear. We've got another wave of moisture that is set to push in. The bulk of the moisture will hit the south coast starting overnight tonight. We'll see it through the commute hours tomorrow morning as well. And it is going to just skirt the bottom edge. So there is a possibility of more snow in areas like the Coquihalla and Allison's Pass tomorrow morning. But generally, the heaviest really will be this evening for those areas. Now, meanwhile, across the north, a few areas with still a slight chance of some precipitation. Areas like Smithers, Prince George, up into Fort Nelson, the possibility of snow. Yes, you can see how cold it is. Fort Nelson, Fort St. John, only warming up to two degrees tomorrow. Now, across the south, mainly dry, mainly cloudy, very slight chance of shower, but really the bulk of the moisture is going to hit for areas Hope and then further west, uh, Whistler as well, and further west. So all across these regions, majority of the moisture in the morning, easing off to just a chance of showers in the afternoon, possible breaks, but I'm not expecting as much sunshine as we saw this afternoon. But certainly we could see a bit of blue sky, highs of only 11 degrees, so definitely on the cool side still. For your Friday morning, we were hoping for straight sunshine on Friday. Now we have a chance of showers. The instability is going to linger potentially a little bit longer. 
just in the morning, and then we should start to clear in the afternoon on Friday. So still looking forward to some sunshine Friday. Your weekend split in half, mainly dry Saturday, but a good chance of showers on Sunday and remaining a little on the cool side. Happy birthday to Goldie Dixon. Dixon, she's turning 102 today, and two people celebrating 73 years together, Lois and John Howard. So congratulations to you both. And a photo from this morning, of course, for our weather window. This great shot from Cassandra Elliott in South Surrey, and that is a splendid shot. That's what you're not looking forward to, hey? No. You're not quite ready to handle the look of snow. I'm not psychologically prepared for this. <laughs> no. You could cross-country ski down that street. <laughs> I know. That's right. wrong. All right, thanks, Christy. So when a young shark became stranded in one of Sydney, Australia's ocean pools, most people just watched it. But not realtor Melissa Hathier, who decided the small shark needed to be rescued and put back where it belongs, in the open ocean. So she calmly followed it until she could get a hold of it. She then guided it toward the wall, lifted it up like a toddler, and threw it back to sea. (laughs) And raises the arms in victory. Now, there are conflicting reports about whether this was a dangerous species of shark, but Hathier kept her hands away from its mouth just to be safe. I have to do that with my toddler as well. Yes. Keep it away from Keep the mouth. Keep your hands away. <laughs> at, risk, at risk of being you never bitten. Know. It is a shark, after all. Goodness sakes, the Australians. Yeah. They're fearless. They, well, they've got all those many species of things that will... W- that will kill you. Yeah, yeah that entire <laughs> continent has things that will yeah. kill you. Yeah. Spiders, snakes, sharks, jellyfish, octopus, rockfish. I could go. Wow, I'm keep your hands away from that. I, I keep up on what countries have things that can kill me. <laughs> um, the BC Lions are a couple of games below 500, which is shocking for a team with their talent. Um, at 6 and 8, you can't say that we're a good football team. But in the first half of the season, they were a good football team. What happened? And do they still have a chance at the playoffs? And the blowback against Boy Scouts of America for planning to allow girls something Canada has done for years. Okay. All right, here we go. A reminder about a great opportunity to see the HSBC Canada Rugby Sevens. Global News is giving away a huge prize package. You'll get two tickets to the Sevens in Vancouver, the ultimate party slash sports event in Vancouver nowadays. He is going, can you tell? <laughs> has it on his I'm couch. pretty enthusiastic. You will need a special contest clue in order to enter. You just have to watch for that sometime during the news hour. And then go to our website, globalnews.ca slash contests, to enter to win. Here's a hint. It's coming up in the next 14 minutes. We're running out of time here, aren't we? Nice. Prize package is worth nine grand because you also get a trip to the Hong Kong Sevens in it. So make sure you write her down. All right, Squire, take it away. I just got to mention something very quickly. The uh, Canucks mm-hmm. asked me to mention this for them. So I guess uh, as part of new enhanced security measures at Rogers Arena, be it a hockey game or any event, if you have a bag or a purse larger than 14 by 14 by 6 inches, yes, you, uh, you can't get in. Or We're 35 by 35 by 15 centimeters. There you go. Okay, just thought I'd throw that out there. Uh, now you can go around and measure all your bags and purses. Uh, last night was the first time ever, first time ever, an Alex Burroughs hockey team won a game at Rogers Arena, and most of the crowd wasn't very happy about it. Oh, they were happy to see him, and they gave him his tribute for all his service to Canucks Nation, but they would have preferred a win for the Canucks rather than a 3-2 shootout loss to Ottawa. But it was a nice ovation for Alex Burroughs, much nicer 
than the one Ryan Kessler got when he came back. I love this selfie by this girl right there. Uh, that's great. Anyway, there you go. Alex Burrows, and he had this to say after the game. Well, I thought it was pretty cool. Uh, it reminded me about a lot of great souvenirs I had uh, playing for this team and living in this city. Um, it's always going to have a special place in my heart, that's for sure. And uh, it was nice uh, to be back and uh, see the fans' reaction. Uh, they've always been behind me through the ups and downs. So uh, I owe them a lot and it's fun to play uh, one more game in front of them. This could be, could be, Wally Buono's last year coaching the BC Lions. And if it is... This is not the way the farewell season should be going. After starting with so much promise, 5-2, and two, the Lions are stuck in reverse. In their last seven games, they are 1-6, and are now four points from a playoff spot, four games left in the regular season. They pretty much have to run the table. And if they don't, they'll be doing the unthinkable and watching the playoffs on TV. Uh, we're a good football team. I feel like that uh, just hasn't performed. And a quick kick here. Short kick. Football teams don't perform like this. They don't gag on a 19-point third-quarter lead against a team they should have and needed to beat. Not with what's on the line. BC hasn't missed the playoffs in 21 seasons. Now they're a good bet to do just that, following back-to-back bad losses. Hamilton, Ottawa. We knew these were going to be critical games. We knew these are must-win games. And as we've said before, you know, if you wanted to be in the playoffs, those two games were playoff games. And, uh, you know, uh, we uh, let it get away. And, uh, you know, now we're going to have to uh, pay the price for it. We collapsed in that game, which uh, you just don't want. And I think all you can do is you just swallow a bitter pill and you say you wake up the next day and say we just got to improve we got to improve communication and it's not one easy clean fix it's a it's a lot of different areas looking at second and ten here now for as bad as the Lions currently are there was a point earlier in the season when they were good remember that five and two Leo's club who appeared capable of making a strong playoff run seems like a distant memory now doesn't it Aside from Toronto, BC's allowed the most sacks, has committed the second most turnovers, while delivering the least amount of QB pressure on opposing teams. You add all that up with non-stop mistakes, and it's amazing that this team is even 6-8 and eight and still remotely in a playoff chase. Well, you know, obviously our record you know, says that we're not, we're not that good, but I feel like we have good players, and I feel like, you know what, we just got to do little things. You know, we're losing by um, small things that you know, turn into, you know, big plays. I think that we're, we have talent to be a good football team. We have uh, the makeup to be a good football team. Um, but obviously, um, at 6-8, and eight, you can't say that we're a good football team. Steven Strasburg wasn't Thursday feeling well yesterday. Woke up this morning, felt much better. Did he ever? 12 strikeouts. And the Washington Nationals saved themselves. Michael Taylor with the grand slam. There'll be a Game 5 tomorrow in D.C. Expos still have a chance. They beat the Cubs 5-0. Come on, they really are the Expos. Uh, Last night, the U.S. men's soccer team lost to Trinidad and Tobago and were knocked out of qualifying for next year's World Cup in Russia. If the U.S. cared about soccer the way some other countries do, the riot might still be going on because of that loss. 
That loss came accompanied with wins by Honduras and Panama as they jumped past the Americans in the race for Russia. What's even more galling to the U.S. besides the loss is that in Panama's 2-1 win over Costa Rica, it featured a goal that didn't actually go in but was still allowed. Here's the goal. Watch the ball. It hits the post and never crosses the line. But the referee is kind of blocked out. Watch again. Does this ball cross the line? No, it hits the post. It doesn't cross, and they counted that. That made the score 1-1. Now, Panama did score one other goal to win the game and reach their first ever World Cup final. And after the win, they declared today a national holiday to allow everyone to recover, including the play-by-play guy who called the winning goal. Have a listen. He needs a rest. Cooper la tiene pelota arriba para Matador. Deja la cabeza en medio para Román, 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 Román. Gol! 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 He actually kept going for a few more minutes, I think, and then he finally collapsed out of air. Uh, Hastings Park Racecourse is not going to have racing this Sunday. Lack of horses late in the year means they'll just have Saturday racing. It's the second to last weekend. The uh, final two days are the 21st and 22nd of October. There you go. All right. Thanks very much, Squire. Let's check in with Jade Rant now for a look ahead to Global News at 11, Jay. Thank you, Sophie. We'll have a lot more on the gang associate from Surrey who was found dead in Richmond, the latest on the investigation and the warning from police. And one man has now been arrested and charged with kidnapping and sexual assault after a disturbing attack in Prince George. The victim changing a flat tire when the suspect tried to help. We'll have more on this incident, those stories, and the rest of the day's news coming up tonight at 11. All right. Thanks, Jay. And when we come back, surprising resistance to a move by Boy Scouts of America, who will now allow girls. Today's ultimate rugby fan contest code word is sevens. Go online and enter the code word for your chance to win. Tune into Global News Hour at 6 tomorrow for another chance to win. ET Canada, Bachelor Canada's Chris LaRue and its host Noah Cap are here in the studio to get you ready for tonight's big premiere. Well, another Chris, Chris Hemsworth, that is, tells us if his kids are more Team Thor or Team Hulk. And of course, is Drake dating Bella Hadid? We'll get to the bottom of that and so much more tonight at 7, right after the news hour. Back to you, Chris and Sophie. All right, thanks very much, Roz. Well, the scouting community is buzzing tonight following a controversial announcement by the Boy Scouts of America to start admitting girls. And among the most vocal critics of the decision, the Girl Scouts. After more than 100 years, you no longer have to be a boy to be a Boy Scout. reason for the change is that our parents have asked for options to serve their whole family. A unanimous decision that starting next year, girls can join Cub Scouts, but will be in girl-only dens. Girl Dens and Boy Scouts start in 2019 with a path to the coveted Eagle Scout. They will have the opportunities for an advancement track that is identical to Boy Scouting, but maintains the opportunities for them to have leadership with their own girl gender. The move intensifying a growing feud with the Girl Scouts. In August, the Girl Scouts president sent a letter to the Boy Scouts, accusing them of a covert campaign to recruit girls away from the Girl Scouts, calling the proposed plan reckless. Today, they went even further. 
I talked to the general counsel today and they are exploring what type of legal actions can be taken, perhaps to get them to retract their congressional charter. The move comes with the Boy Scouts seeing a fairly steady decline in membership over the past 20 years. But for 16-year-old Sydney Ireland, it's nothing but good news. It's indescribable how great it feels. She's longed to be an Eagle Scout, like Neil Armstrong, Steven Spielberg, and her big brother. Everybody should have the ability to be part of such a great organization. Now she says she'll get her shot, and she doubts she'll be alone. Kristen Dahlgren, NBC News, New York.